This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes, Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, back for more, back, back for the torture, back to talk a little WWE, whatever comes to our mind. Uh, NWA Power wasn't on this week, which disappointed me so much. I found myself looking for something, and I was reaching out, and NWA Power, which has not always been something to reach to, but is at least something to reach at, reach towards. Uh, was not there, and it made me sad. After TakeOver, you had a pretty good AEW, I thought. And then, but WWE, between all their platforms, kind of listless, kind of lazy, kind of floating down the lazy river of content. The road to WrestleMania what, yes. has gotten into a lazy river. And, and here's why. Because the road to WrestleMania, like when we were growing up, the classic WrestleMania era of like the 90s, or even in the 80s, you had a story arc that was running through that usually had some setup throughout the year. You know, the mega powers combine, the mega powers explode, that sort of thing. We don't have a story arc really threading the needle from Royal Rumble to WrestleMania that you can really sink your teeth into. The Drew McIntyre thing, that turn was so sudden, it didn't make a ton of narrative sense. It doesn't feel like WrestleMania is this big narrative payoff that it has been in years past. This well, year. you also, way back when you used to just have the Rumble and then Mania, and you didn't have... A show in Saudi Arabia, an elimination chamber, you know, th- those types of things to distract you from from getting there. You could just do the six to eight week build and really make every match kind of seem like an event. And now they're just they're they're you know, once they get back from Saudi Arabia, it's going to be the build from the elimination chamber. And then then we'll start building to WrestleMania. So right now we're just kind of floating along. But let's uh, let's start with this very. In my opinion, a very strong NXT Portland, Uh, a little bit undercut by the television the next Wednesday. But uh, as for the show, I I know I'm often contrarian for contrarian's sake, but my favorite match on this show was the Tegan Knox Dakota Kai street fight. I absolutely adored this. I mean, we knew the ending, or I pretty much kind of thought what the ending was going to be. It turned out what it was. But the way that these two worked in terms of a plunder match with some heat to it, I absolutely love this. I love Tegan Knox's. She does at least one sell when she gets beat up. She did this during the War Games beatdown, and she did this when she got hit with the trash can, where she just eyes roll to the back of the head, and she just goes limp, and it looks fantastic every time. Uh, I was a little underwhelmed by Keith Lee and Dominant. Dijakovic just because it felt plotting up until the end and all the end was oh was, man when they told me we we're gonna do another one at some point I was like oh boy that fight forever promo here on Wednesday I was hoping that this was the end and it was presented as the end of a narrative arc yeah and they just did no selling to, at the end to you know get get you know the crowd back into it but it was just one of those things where it was like it was good but you know I 
I don't, I don't, I want them to get away from this. I loved the idea. I loved your idea of making them a team when they have to be a team, but they go their separate ways now. And, and until they meet again or need each other, fine. But this is just, uh, why go back? To- now Dijakovic is on this quest to get Regal to give him another title yeah. shot, which is a quest that no one's actually invested in because Dijakovic is the also ran in this feud, and we haven't been given a ton of video packages to make us feel really attached to Dijakovic because we've been building Keith Lee. This is really the only feud Keith Lee has done for three years. I'm, I'm, I, I want something else from him, please. Uh, Finn and uh, Finn, Finn and Johnny Gargano was good. Um, it was a good match, and then we had the the Johnny turn during Chapa and Cole. I. I just don't know. I don't know why they're going to go back to this Johnny Gargano as a heel thing. They they had they had adequately brought him back. And and now there's this. Yeah, and this actually kind of stems off of the Dijakovic thing because I think there's a decent chance this ends up with Dijakovic being a heel and having his feud with Keith Lee in the context of being a heel yeah. and you'll have the same thing happening with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and this is not a feud that I need them to go back to either Either you're rebuilding the Undisputed Era or someone should be toppling them and then getting the heat from that. And I thought that was going to be Tommaso Ciampa, but instead we're going back to Tommaso and John. Right. And then um, and then Bianca and Rhea was good. Uh, I, I found the ending a little bit of a underwhelming thing, but I liked the Charlotte beatdown. I liked that even though they forgot it on Raw the next night, the fact that Charlotte also took out Bianca after the match and Bianca's promo on Wednesday was the best thing about that NXT show. I thought she just interrupted. I'm going to let you guys get back to your match, but I'm really mad right now. And I got to say something. I think Charlotte may have a takeover match as well. And I'm, I'm here for that. I really am. I'm here for Bianca and Charlotte at takeover for the right to fight uh, Rhea at WrestleMania. Yes, I, I'm intrigued by that feud, and I think that that could be something that could elevate Bianca to the next level. I enjoyed that spot well, a lot. I'll, That's the classic Kanye West interrupting mm-hmm. Taylor Swift at whatever that award show I'm was. I'm going to let you yeah. finish, but I'm the best. <laughs> the other thing is Charlotte really hasn't had one of those main arena takeover matches. She her, All of her big matches were in full sale, and at Brooklyn it was that four-way with Dana Brooke and uh, Emma and Becky Lynch where someone got concussed in the middle of it and, and Emma ended up winning accidentally. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, if they go that way, and speaking of full sale, it's, it's time to get yeah. out of full sale and go around to it some really other is. arenas. Cause during that tag match this week, in particular with Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan, that crowd was allergic to caring about that match in a serious way. And, and insofar as they got up for any spot, it was in this performative way because that's what the crowd's supposed to do. And if, if you weren't doing it, it'd almost be disrespectful. I made the mistake of watching AEW before I watched NXT this week uh, because I wanted to see the cage match. I wanted to see what they did with Atlanta. I knew there'd be some heat Well, to let it. me tell you, brother, I watched NXT before AEW and even just watching NXT this week, I was like, wow, this show is flat. And then I watched AEW and I've not always been super high on the product, but like that was a really, really good show. It was a show. good show. Only, only had 100,000 more viewers, which I think... If there's going to be Dude, that main event slammed. That was a good main yeah, event. Yeah, if there's going to be a pull away, this this is going to be the start of it. Because yeah, that that uh 
that 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 moonsault off the cage was something. Wardlow, good first match on TV. Yeah, dude, he's legit. I think Wardlow's good. Has yeah. a Sean O'Hare thing to him with the Swanton, which I dug. Um, and plus that match had heat and it had blood. And and that NXT doesn't have heat or blood because it's. Not because it's PG, it's because they want it to be a certain tone of a product where people don't really get hurt. People don't really, if if they do, they're off camera or or whatever. Morrow. The crowd's been (laughs) so willing to go along with whatever the NXT writers have been putting out because they've gotten by for a long time during this TV push on the goodwill of classic NXT that was a well thought out months in advance style of writing and this version of NXT really smacks of the main roster week to week style yes. of writing and that goodwill is starting to wear out with that audience and I do have concerns that it won't travel either yeah I'm uh I, I'd be concerned about that too I, I really would if I'm NXT because I remember you remember when they did those first road shows and everybody was super stoked to go. Like I remember they did one here at the, uh, they did it at the Hollywood Palladium. They were doing them in like nightclubs and things like that. Yeah, and it was yeah, the, I got and to was the, go to one of them. It was pretty they cool. Were cool. The shows were awesome. They had heat. All those takeovers were great. Or if they weren't great, they at least, I mean, on every match from top to bottom, the main events were spectacular. Sure. You'd get your bull Dempsey, Baron Corbin match here and there, or, or, you know, Sonya and Mandy as a dark match to work things out, but they were a fun time. It was the hot product. Now all the cool kids are with AEW. And I don't think, I don't think you can support two touring brands on a Wednesday night. I really don't. I, I think raw and SmackDown running bigger arenas all across the country. I think given the choice to spend your money, I think people are going to save to go to those tapings versus an NXT. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Do you think it might be different if they put SmackDown against AEW? Yes, I do, number one, but I don't think Fox will ever let that happen. Remember, now now you're dealing with two different TV networks. And yeah, if it was true. just that's USA, true. if it was just USA and SmackDown was on, fr- on Friday on USA and NXT was on Wednesday, I say, sure, switch up the nights. But number one, you'd kill NXT. Because nobody would watch that on a Friday night. They'd DVR that for later, and you'd get those numbers. But um, the only thing really keeping SmackDown afloat, in my opinion, right now it, on on Fridays is the fact that it's on network TV, and not everybody. Yeah, has no, I agree. That show is not a stand on its own two legs style show. Well, it's just a hard night as well. Friday nights are are hard. Yeah, Friday night's a bad show, or yeah, it's, it's a, a bad, bad TV show. night too. <laughs> Friday night hey, is look, a bad ABC show. Made, uh, ABC it, it, made it work with teen friendly things, but um, and oh, uh, your TGIF T- that was T- in, TGIF know, was, was a ratings juggernaut. Miami Vice was a ratings juggernaut. Those are the two exceptions to the rule. When did TGIF go off the a air? A long time ago. I'm old. Okay, I just wanted okay. to double check. No, there. that's fine. When you were a child, probably. A little, uh, yeah, a little no, I did. I watched Boy Meets World. Vader was on Boy Meets World. <laughs> that I it was very exciting for me. I did the uh, I did the post SmackDown show over in the other neighborhood last night, so I had to watch it live as it happened. So it's very fresh in my memory. I'm sorry about That's that. Quite all right. I'm a little ups. I mean, it wasn't a bad show. It was filler, though. You could tell it was filler because all the planning right now is what are we doing in Saudi Arabia? Let's have people rest up for Saudi Arabia. 
things of that nature. But the one thing that stuck in my craw a little bit, you, you beat Lacey Evans at Royal Rumble and you're here to reintroduce her with a special sit down interview with Renee. There's lots of meanings to the word nasty, Jeff. There are not a lot of meetings, and it's not a Southern thing, and don't give me that crap. Jeff, you don't. are a nasty. <laughs> I mean that I Yeah, I mean that in the best way possible. My, my first name ain't baby. It's Janet. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. Um, why not just rebrand Lacey here since you're going hard on the baby face push? Give her the give her the marine odd uh Andrew's sister's look or, or the Liberty Bell look and go into that as opposed to this, you know, nasty can mean just about anything you want. It's like the word Smurf. You smurfing Smurf the Smurf a Smurf. No, no, it doesn't. Nasties mean it. Nasties is a derogatory term. It is not a term of endearment is a term for in this, in this verbiage of Southern aristocracy looking down on you. Don't, don't tell Chris, I've never gotten on here and said, you know what, Chris, you nasty. <laughs> you're a, na- oh, you're a nasty. nasty. Yeah, yeah, you. yeah. Right. You're you nasty. are a nasty <laughs> or I, you are the a nasties. Nasty. Like, like there, I've never heard the nasties said in a flattering way, or if you were going to get there, it would have to be, with a lot of additional context. My other problem with this promo was the part that was supposed to make us really feel attached to her was I didn't realize how bad my behavior was until I saw my own behavior exhibited on my child, which made me feel less sympathetic to her where I'm like, really? Like <laughs> that had to happen to Hold your on kid here. What, wait, what was your kid doing exactly? What was she going to school with like gloves and a, no, no, <laughs> the no. The, uh, the bullying, all the people. bullying and stuff. I didn't realize that my behavior, me being bullying, me calling people nasty was bad until my own child was bullied. Oh, now you understand that? Really? Right. I'm supposed to be emotionally attached. Oh, wow. That's that's great. That's tremendous growth you're oh. showing there. I just thought it was a great setup and, and poor execution. Yeah, we're going to reintroduce Lacey Evans right now. And it's the same gimmick, except she's talking like a baby face and she's not making sense. And I just, I, after that promo, I just went, that was disappointing. I, 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 it's rare that this, this company will disappoint me when you, when you put stock in something and then it's just like the thing that you have in your head is so much better than I I was just, I was really uh, what she needs is just a good stiff match out there. She needs to go out and yes. just have a really tough physical match with somebody. That's the stuff that's gotten her the most over the, the match with Charlotte and a different outfit, yeah. different, a different outfit. outfit. Yeah. As those well. two things, but it really just go out there and kick some ass. Um, I was a little shocked that they did not make Carmella the contender for, um, the blood money show of which we will not speak, nor will we preview because, Wait for it, guys. Just wait to see if anything happens, and then if it does, go back and watch it. Just skip it because it's it's a money grab, and and you they've notice they've been really not, skippable too. They well, they used to plug it as equal to WrestleMania, and now they've just given up the ghost and going, yeah, we're going over there. Uh, so it's going to be Bailey and Naomi. Which, if you've been following news in the background and them contacting, you know, the former Brodus Clay, the Cameron, the former Funkadactyl, possibly. Darren Young for something with her as well. You'd think that they're going to be doing something at WrestleMania with her, 
why beat her in Saudi Arabia? And uh, to me, I, I, I just think Carmella, you do the rematch here and then you continue to build Cam or not Cameron, uh, Naomi as someone who has never, never really faced Bailey in a title match one-on-one you get her, you know, you get her going, you build her up and then, um, and then, and then if you're going to do the thing at WrestleMania, which I'm not sure anymore, cause they just reintroduced Lacey Evans. But if you're going to do that, you know, don't beat her here, but it, it just seemed weird. But you had a, you had a good explanation for this. I think that Naomi is a choice as much about wardrobe as anything else. So for continuity's okay. sake, I, I think that Naomi generally wears body suits and stuff, stuff that is less revealing. And we've seen in the past when people like Sasha Banks have had to wrestle overseas in that part of the world, they've had to do fairly dramatic wardrobe shifts and it stands out. Like I remember there was one match where uh, Sasha is wrestling basically in a full body suit. And it's just so different. From- yeah. She's, she's basically wearing um, like a, a bobsledding. Right. Gear. Right. Like a bobsledding suit with a hood. Um, her and Alexa Bliss when they wrestled in uh, the United Arab Air Emirates, I believe. I believe it was Dubai where they did it. That first a little time. easier yeah. to do um, that with Naomi, I'd say, because you could do you know the bright colors and stuff and just have that more seamlessly accommodated in the Naomi costuming. Right, and Aunt Pam has you know wears a lot of the gear, kind of. I mean, I, I can see her in the black and gold body. She can suit. wear a cat sweater, Ka- kind of doing the hood thing that she she would do with that whatever that isis princess tiara thing just she gonna no sell the cat sweater okay that's fine i i didn't hear the cat sweater part i was too busy power talking over you which is a complaint i know uh, <laughs> yeah uh only other thing that really irked me is if you're gonna look i get that you're trying to foreshadow the usos and the new day the time to start beefing with one another is not before you're gonna face four other men in a fight Especially after that reintroduction, I think the time to start creating the tension would be at the end of the match if you wanted to go that route. But the way that show opened, it should have been good vibes all the way until at some point in the match or even have them win the match and it's good vibes the whole show tease the tension the next week. Uh, Raw, we have the reintroduction of the Street Profits now into this... uh into what had been to me just the repetitive Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, Viking Raiders versus the Monday Night Messiah. <laughs> the mid-card Messiah, Seth Rollins. Mm, oh. Sacrilegious. <laughs> God. Like the They went hard yeah, into that, and that's hard. what I was afraid they were gonna do. Real hard. I mean, even the t-shirts and stuff, all the merch is really oh my leaning goodness. heavily into it. It's it's pretty brutal. Um and I never thought I'd get bored of the Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens pairing, and I like them as a tag team, but mm-hmm. I'm just bored of this story because it has no progression. Every week, it's just Seth Rollins going, ha-ha, I am the mid-card messiah. <laughs> ah! Hey! <laughs> We're doing Shake That Ropes Theater off of that. Hey! Seth, Seth Rollins Theater. Ha <laughs> <laughs> this is my evil. <laughs> I'm a heel now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing he learned the shield. about being a heel in that first heel rod was just that laugh. My, my partner in the shield is the hottest thing in wrestling, and I'm doing evil professor cartoon laughter. <laughs> 
it just, yeah, yeah we, we we're discussing it before we went on the air, but Vince obviously has a beef with Christianity in some way. And I don't, I don't think you should go into it as a, just as a pure marketing strategy. This is pure conjecture, but based off of what I know biographically about Vince McMahon, I believe it stems from, especially the way he's presenting it, a disdain for like the Southern style of religion. Oh yeah. North Carolina type thing where he was, I mean, cause that's Swaggart Falwell country. Jim Particularly Baker, in the eighties with the super mega pastors, brother yes. love and stuff. You you see that template that yeah. clearly made a serious impression on him that he's never been able to fully shake. No, I, I someone, I mean, God, I mean, they even went hard into almost crucifying Kevin Owens and saying they're gonna or he was they're gonna crucify him. I was just like, you got to be kidding me with this. He just loves tweaking that audience <laughs> for some reason, and I don't. Uh, you know, you, you just watch and you go, this is crass and stupid. You don't go, it's edgy. And I think he thinks yeah, it's Yeah, and I think he thinks it's getting heat the right way on Seth Rollins. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that it's maybe not a strong business decision. There's certainly an argument to be made there, given who your audience is and, like, why tweak the nose of that section of the audience to what end? And then you look at in terms of narrative function, is this getting Seth Rollins and that faction more over long-term, or is this a sandcastle no. that can be wiped <laughs> away by the ocean in one week? Is is Buddy Murphy slash Murphy? That, that's it, right? It's not. Buddy, no, he's, he's Murphy. Murphy. The Murph. <laughs> he's Murphy. Murphy. All I, anytime someone just says the word Murphy, all I think of is RoboCop. Because as, <laughs> as the officer's name in RoboCop, uh, but is this getting either either the acts associated with Seth overs it just Seth and it's just Seth. So Murphy's taking the majority. I mean, Murphy takes a great stunner. Don't get me wrong. I love the watching him take a stunner. But yeah, is anybody being improved by this act? And I don't know. It's really disappointing because you have on paper four very talented guys who fit different roles in a classic faction template, but this execution is piss poor. Yes. Uh, Lazy river of content, better super kick Shawn Michaels on Shelton Benjamin or Matt Jackson on Sammy Guevara. Or Guevara. I still got to go Michaels on Shelton Benjamin. Oh, that, you know what? They're both fantastic, but, but the, but, but basically almost tearing his hamstrings made it for Sammy for me because the way he just di- he just went limp after taking the kick I think I think he's a new leader in the clubhouse all right all right I just really like Shelton man I think that that guy's underrated oh I love him I love especially, Shelton. he's just yeah, especially peak Shelton he just no, he's still Are good that, but that's what's crazy about yes. Shelton Benjamin is he's still good uh but yeah I think that I've always thought that Shelton brings a certain physicality to the ring that has been underappreciated but has had various points where it's really shined. Yeah, just give me the one grizzled, violent veteran run with him. We've had we've had three different ideas between the two of us for him. I, I just I don't want him to be, you know, I just I, I want him to mean a little something on this roster versus good hand who goes in gives a guy a great match and loses. You ever um, play you know, like Punch Out or Super Punch Out? 
Perfect yes. role for Shelton Benjamin is the champion of the world circuit. Like like Mr. Sandman, the, the guy, before you go to the final mm-hmm. circuit there, he should be just this really grizzled intercontinental champion at some point. Just a tough guy to yeah. knock off the mountain. He wins by hooker by crook. A little D. Malenko in there. Just That's the perfect role for Shelton's final run here. More surprising to you. The fact that they just basically went back to the well on every NXT feud after Portland. Or the fact that they almost emptied out their entire B team during that show between Kona Reeves, the Forgotten Sons. <laughs> okay, can we talk about the Forgotten Sons' baby face? Oh, you knew this was coming. That promo? You knew this was coming. That was amazing. What, was it amazing good or amazing bad? It was amazing bad, but here's why I like it. I've created this whole alt fiction in my mind where all three of these guys came back from the war, not even necessarily Iraq, more amorphous, the war, and they formed a biker club. And they've been like crazy marauding bikers, but now they're crazy marauding bikers for justice who love their country. Yeah, there was a... There was a made-for-TV USA movie in the early 90s with, like, Yafet Kodo and Ray Sharkey. Yes! And yeah, 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 That one. You know, that one where they're all Vietnam vets, but they're members of this motorcycle club at the same time. And, yeah, just, uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> you mess with all glory, man. You're messing with us. Please let Zach Gibson cut a promo on Jackson Riker before this match. I- I'm here for that. I'm here for hearing what Zach Gibson has to say about the Forgotten Sons. Because it's such a weird, kooky, yet awesomely perfect match for the for the grizzled young veterans. It, it's it's two Brits coming in and America decides that they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna fight after these jingoistic promos that they've been cut. I'm for that. Gibson can be incredulous and act like this gimmick makes no sense. Like, where are your motorcycles? How come I never see you guys on motorcycles ever? He he just has a great way of making fun of the gimmick while still keeping it within the four walls. You know what I mean? Was it the Christmas or the New Year's episode of NXT that Austin Theory was the special? He he was the. It was like the Christmas one. He was he was the he was the surprise contender, and we haven't really seen him since, other than a shot in the audience. Is this his reintroduction, and is he going to beat Champa, or is he just there to be a geek? I think he's there to be a geek. I think Do that you? he might. Yeah, I think he might go heel and they'll have a competitive match. He is a heel. Don't get me wrong. He's a heel here. I think if he's going to be something, though, he has to beat Ciampa this next Wednesday. Otherwise, we're all going to... You can't rebuild a guy after reintroducing him like that. No, I think maybe the other thing could be that him and Johnny are aligned. And this is how you build up this new heel Johnny and give him a fresh coat of paint. As so he's going to be Sammy to Gargano's Jericho. Yeah, I guess. Okay. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with him being a second banana. I just... I think he has a lot of star power, and I just didn't understand... You got Kona Reeves on the roster who who you sacrificed earlier. You could bring out a Riddick Moss 
or who some other guy on your roster that you don't use to get killed by Champa here. I just didn't understand the usage of Austin Theory if he's going to be a geek on TV. Boy, did they geek out Kona Reeves. That was so funny. God, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand it. I don't. If this NXT dojo in Japan is real, I send him and Noof there. And I let whoever's running that thing, I basically take all cameras out of that facility and just say, do what you do here to to these guys, because we've had them for years and haven't been able to do anything with them. Um, Chelsea Green and Robert Stone. I'm not loving this act. Chelsea Green is not the right introductory character for the Robert Stone brand, because I don't think it gives you enough of a sense of what the Robert Stone brand is about. We never heard what the Robert Stone brand was about. We just know he's right. a guy who wears a hipster suit with no socks. That's all I know of him. And, you know, what, what is his point here? What is he doing? It, it's not like he's Malcolm Bivens doing, you know, social media stuff every day. And if you don't follow him, the former Stokely Hathaway, he, he's he's just brilliant, and I don't understand why he's being kept off TV from week to week. But I want to know the point of the Robert Stone brand other than being the Robert Stone brand. Now, the other thing I thought, I thought they should have done a double turn here. I thought Lacey Lane should have gone with Stone, and then they beat Chelsea here, and they put the boots to her. But, you know, I guess it's a reintroduction of Chelsea Green, but she's not coming off as anything other than I'm the hot girl who loses. This match had nothing to it, too. I I don't like this pairing. I I thought that getting Caden Carter that win over Chelsea Green and then moving them both in different directions, getting Chelsea Green some wins over enhancement talent to get her going. Like, Stone sets the bar lower, and then we build back up to eventually a rematch between Caden Carter and Chelsea Green, I don't know, around WrestleMania season or something like that for like a dark match. I I don't think having this rematch here helped them. And while I enjoyed the Bianca promo, that also really it hurt both Chelsea Green and Caden Carter. It yeah. made the finish this match feel really clunky. And I don't think that that's how the Unprettier is supposed to be hit. So I, you- I just don't like the chemistry of these two. Yeah, you two aren't worth watching. I'm going to cut this promo, even though I liked right. the promo a lot. And I, I like the promo the as well. Uh, yeah, Chelsea Green, <laughs> the irony is she was teaming with Britt Baker before she got signed. Right now, she's Britt Baker without the Whataburger promo. <laughs> I mean, that's what she is to me. I mean, it's just kind of a, she's very pretty, not a lot of charisma there, and uh, okay in the ring, and not really... It's still, I mean, because working with, with what's her name now? I want to call her Lacey Lane, but that's not her name. Caden Carter. Caden Carter. Caden is a choreography person. And if you're not doing the choreography well, as opposed to grappling, it's going to, it's going to be a rough time all night. Uh, yeah. And we'll- she needs to be working with bigger people where she can be working from underneath and also has uh-huh. a larger target to hit with the choreography. Yeah, the Casey Catanzaro method, it needs to work for her because it's basically, they're kind of in the same lane if you're going to go with like political talk. They're in the same lane in terms of marketing. Uh, I want to see some Robert Stone vignettes. I want to know what the hell this brand is. Is it a Hollywood 
agency where they're trying to market people. He blah, needs blah, to blah. be lying to everybody. He needs yes. to be lying to Chelsea Green. He needs to be lying to William Regal. He needs to be like lying and wheeler dealing and pulling strings. I, I, it's a tricky character because I think you have to move a lot of narrative through him. He has to be the engine that moves several shows to really establish that this guy is a slippery shit that you have to keep your eye on because he might always have an angle. He needs to be, and this is an arcane of arcane references. If you're looking in the annals of sketch comedy, go back to SCTV or very old Saturday night live. Martin short played a lawyer by the name of Nathan Thurm, who on one Saturday night live sketch, he was, he was the attorney for the cigarette tobacco industry and everything's just deflection and lying, and it's brilliant. This is what Robert Stone needs to study, in my opinion. Is 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 just Google Nathan Thurm, and and you'll get the gist of the, of this character, and you'll understand what I'm saying. When you look at Robert Stone, he should be aping this guy every man. And then we had Velveteen. <clears throat> sorry, and then we had Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong. What'd you think of the match? I didn't like it. Didn't like it. Why didn't you like it? Because I don't. I don't like whatever the heck it is Velveteen Dream is doing. Right yeah, now. I don't get this Marina and Roddy angle from Velveteen Dream. I mean, I guess it's mind games, and that's yes. how it's being presented. But Roddy and Marina are big-time heels, but then you do this, and it feels kind of jacked up, like over the line, in a way that doesn't feel quite right to be enjoying. Yes. Why am I enjoying a guy trolling another guy about his I'm going to sleep with your wife. Yes. Because it's more than just trolling. I mean, he's openly flirting with her. Yes. He, he was basically on social media said she gave me her panties to make gloves into her <laughs> to make gloves. And you're just like, really? This... I, I just think he's come back and he's doing more of the he, he's basically Randy Savage and Rick Rude doing 80s cosplaying. And I, I just I'm just. He has so much physical potential in terms of what he can do with his size. And it's just, and that entrance is awesome, too. Yes, like, he comes out and it's such a star power. You remember entrance his and he has such. Yeah, every, I remember him as Patrick Clark, dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I remember capturing some of those Tough Enough episodes. Like, every takeover, he was really good. Every takeover he was on, we were like, what entrance is he going to do? Because his entrances are so freaking awesome. And then the couch gimmick we thought was spectacular when he was doing that at Full Sail. I want to see. I don't and he's see a him. good promo. Yes. And he's got great characterization. He understands yes. who this guy is. I just think that the writing has been making missteps because they don't really think about you know, how some of these things scan. They think about how is he going to be entertaining tonight versus right, tonight versus how is this character? What would he say? You know, it, it, it's kind of the difference between um, how, how would I put this when you're doing advertising, you can tell when the copywriter has basically got an idea for a comedy sketch or they've or they've gotten the rights to a certain song and they need to write a sketch around it versus what are we trying to say with the product here and and it's a difference between that they have funny ideas for would it be funny if Velveteen Dream did or said this as opposed to 
would the Velveteen character, Velveteen Dream character, actually do this? And that's that's the issue I'm having. Right. Yeah. No. There's a motivation issue. Why is he going after Roddy, or or why does he want to dismantle the Undisputed Era? If is he going after all their girlfriends, or is he going to be doing it one by one? I want to hear that kind of thing. I want to hear that I'm di- going to dismantle you. Because you would need going to put them all on the shelf to really go after Cole, right? Yes. Like, I, I mean, I think the arc here, the clearest narrative is Velveteen Dream wants a title shot with Cole. In order to do that, you he need to, to sideline mm-hmm. the other three mm-hmm. guys. But this is just making Roddy more angry unless you're going to you know, break his arm or do something at the end of this feud. I, I don't know. I don't know how this gets Dream plausibly closer to getting a one-on-one scenario with Cole. Does Marina eventually end up seconding Velveteen Dream? Why would she do that? Because this is how these stories go. Baby Doll ends up with Dusty Rhodes at some point. Elizabeth ends up with whoever's, t- you know, I don't know. I, I was Only just, if you're turning Roddy face. That's true. And I think that might be happening eventually. That would, okay. You know what would be fun is rock bottom Roddy where you like, he gets kicked out of the undisputed era and Velveteen Dream steals his wife and he has to build back up as a shattered man. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. That's an interesting choice. It's kind of, it's kind of like my choice for this Otis storyline. We were kind of clowning on it yesterday because I was like, okay, is there going to be a twist or is this kind of just the straight ahead Sonia is is calling is, is basically texting people because she's in love with Mandy and eventually she'll screw over Dolph to get there. Or, or is it going to be something like maybe Tucker's in love with Otis or maybe Sonia's in love with Tucker. And we can I find want a Sonia to be there. a serial killer. I want <laughs> Dolph Ziggler to disappear one week and nobody knows where he is. <laughs> Oh, man. He's like, oh, I haven't heard from Dolph since Thursday. And Sonya's like, whoa, wow, that's really crazy. I can't believe that he'd just disappear on you like that. I wonder where he could be. So do we want to go plans for Mania or the Hunt giving the second best promo of the week? The Hunt was fun, man. I, I love that. It was simple. I, I liked that you're looking to the future when you should be looking over to your shoulder line. Simple. It was very sheep herders from about 1986 or 1987. Just two guys, toothless, looking for a fight. If they had blood in NXT UK, I would have some color in this match between those two and the grizzled young veterans. I liked that they did the callback to... The G- the grizzled young veterans calling them out as a joke of the tag team division. I'd have I'd have the grizzled young veterans lose by count out on a retreat. Yes. During this first encounter. That's a good call. That's a de- or or by DQ possibly, but I would go yeah. with the retreat. Yeah, I'd, I'd, have the retreat. Them, I'd have them powder. I'd have them powder the first time. Ha- Eventually I- they have to win, but I'd have them be scared the first time. I'd have them powder permanently because it looks like they're using them in NXT proper. That's how you write them off as they're running away from the hunt. And the hunt has they, that. They run out of the arena. We, it's the it's the main event yes. of that that week. And it ends with the grizzled young veterans getting into the car and running away from the hunt. It, that means it, a very a, you and me finish to the show. A bit of the Bo Dallas type of thing from NXT when he got thrown out. Oh, but I no, loved that. That was so great. He, they, they run back to the back. They grab all their stuff from the locker room. 
in their hands as opposed to packing it up nicely. And they just run, they throw it in their rental car and they drive off. That's what I would do. And then, and then you have this new born again, hardcore hunt looking to kill pretty deadly, which I'm all for as well. Uh, speaking of which pretty deadly on the Florida loop for a reintroduction of the team for, for an introduction of the team of the former King Cuerno from your old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, El Hio del Fantasma. I forgot what I'm his big name. fan. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, was yeah, King Cuerno. And our boy Raul Mendoza. They are going to be a team. Which begs the question: Why did you beat Raul Mendoza when you had DJ Z there? <laughs> oh, I don't get it. I don't. I, I I don't understand the Raul Mendoza on TV presentation and perhaps there's a backstage story that could illuminate me. Cause I will never be able to put it together based on what I've seen on my TV screen. Love Raul Mendoza. Love the idea of this team. Yeah. I, just, I love Raul Mendoza. He's always been good. I just, it, it's one of those things where you go, okay, you're setting this guy up for something and it doesn't, unless they're going to make it part of the story, unless they make it part of the story where he's losing and he ends up turning on DJ Z and that's how they introduce uh, – I forgot the name they're using for him. It, it's his real name or it's close to it. Yeah, I think they're presenting him as a baby face for now too. Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. But um, the promo on uh, on social media between the two of them makes it indicate that they're kind of not in league with Angel Garza, but they're doing kind of the same presentation. Huh. So. Okay. All we'll right. see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, um, yeah. And then Ilya Dragunov and Joe Coffey. It was an okay match. I liked the end to angle, yes. though. I think that it just creates interesting wrinkles in Gallus, who as a faction continued to be far more interesting in execution than on paper, which is a marked difference for most things in WWE. I, even though I've seen him live before, I was surprised at how big Ilya Dragunov was compared to Joe Coffey. I couldn't get over that. Joe Coffey must not be. I mean, he's, he's not that big. He He's doing the Macho Man thing where he just makes you feel like he's really occupying a ton of space. Well, Macho Man's big, man. He was, I mean. But he was also he was not tall. tall. Hold on. How tall was Randy Savage? Let's take I, a look. I thought Macho was I thought like Savage was at, least a, was at least a six-footer, I thought. But, uh. Let's see, 1952 birthday. I'm vamping because I can't get my browser to. I was always a big fan of six one. Is that a listed six one? As listed as six one, it might. Yes, it might be a might be an NCAA football six one, which means five eleven. Yeah, no, I I just I always thought that Macho was short. I thought that was the whole gimmick, and that he you know did the capes and the bigger gesticulations and everything to make himself feel bigger and occupy more space. And I think that Joe coffee does that as well. I thought coffee was like taller than you thought. Cause I thought it was built more like Jim Neidhart who was over six foot, but built like Joe coffee. Okay. Ilya Dragunov's five ten, And he looked like a giant against Joe coffee. I or at least taller and bigger than him at some point. I'm I'm flabbergasted by that. But no, to go back to your point, uh I like having nuance. And I th- I thought that's a nice little new you know, the bully who gains respect. Okay, Coffee's five eleven. I, I thought he was at least six foot. Uh 
But and that's I, a listed five eleven. It's a listed five eleven. So that might mean five nine. But no, I like that. I liked. Uh, I like that they didn't shake hands. I, I think he. I just like the. Okay, we're done here. You win. And and leaving it at that, it can be a professional relationship. After that, there could be an underlying grudge. After that, there are many different paths you can go with that ending. Yeah, right. I, I just I liked that. Coffee said the debt was the fight. He was mm-hmm. owed a fight. He got the fight. He didn't win the fight. He lost it clean, and he's moving on. I just. It's nice to have Gallus sitting in this gray spot in yes. a credible way. Yes. Because with Imperium as always clearly the bad guys, Mustache Mountain as always clearly the good guys, you need Gallus as the cool gray characters, and they're now doing that. Yeah, and they don't have to be cool about it. They're just gray, and I like that. They're just self-interested. They're not... They're not trying to be cool. They're cool because they don't care. Yeah, they're, they're like real cool. They're not mustache twirling, and they're not doing that NWO, we're really cool bad guys type thing. But we're not going to wear the white hats and come out and save the day for you either. We're, we're, we're only interested in the three of us. We're only interested in championships for the three of us. And the rest of you can go pound sand. And I like that. I, I do. I think, I think uh, it... it it's quickly becoming one of the more nuanced things in wrestling right now that I'm kind of digging. I got to be honest with you. I liked, you know, I you like can, the matches generally. I think Joe Coffey as a singles performer is great. And I like the tag team. Well, watching, watching Wolfgang do babyface fire again after not doing it for the last year was, was, was fun to watch. It's fun that you can then slip them into either working heel or working babyface. And doing either one, and it fits the character depending on the situation. It's a lot like Wolfgang can be that kind of switch guy too, because yeah. you can always have Mark as Mister Cold, but Wolfgang can be Mister Hot and get the crowd excited and really thrive off of the crowd. Or you know, Wolfgang can be the really overly aggressive guy and get them into that heel dynamic because he's the one who drags the Coffee Brothers into the fray. Well, Joe's the charisma. And and the guy who talks and the leader and stuff like that marks the marks kind of the second banana the lieutenant who's in charge of keeping in charge of the wild card wolf gang, but you know he could always take over the gang at any time if he really had that kind of inclination, but he doesn't. So I, I'm loving those. He's dynamics. the bass player in the band yes. who actually does all the accounting for the band. He writes the songs. He's the bass player who's the songwriter. But he doesn't get the credit for and it, and he doesn't sing them on stage. Joe right. sings them on stage. He knows the mu- he knows he knows what pays the bills, and it's the it's the rights to the songs, as opposed to being the yeah sure Joe's gonna Joe's gonna have the concert, and he's gonna have all the girls in the in the lobby waiting for him. But Mark's getting the money at the end of the day. <laughs> he's sitting in the studio making sure his bass is the loudest in the mix. He he's the one that when the lead singer turns fifty and and he doesn't have any of the royalties anymore. And he's like, how come How come you have this nice big house? We were both in the same band. What's wrong with me? I was like, well, you didn't save your money in songwriting. That's what, that was, that's what gets it. No, I, I but <laughs> going back, that's a tangent. That's a weird tangent. Yeah, I got really deep all of a sudden. Woo, okay. Uh, but no, I like having these types of characters. Flair used to do this early in his career in the mid-80s. 
not early in his career, but kind of in the midpoint of his career, where if he was fighting the Russians, he'd be the baby face. But if he was fighting Rhodes or Wahoo or Manny Fernandez, he'd be the heel. So I like having that kind of that option here. And with Imperium around to be the big baddies, to be Cobra Kai, I kind of like having another tough gang there that goes, all right, let's see who Imperium takes out. But if they come anywhere near our territory, we're going to fight for it. I, I dig this. I dig this act a lot now. I know people, especially the flagship, flagship like mocking them, flagship likes making fun of their music. I'm here. I'm here for you, Gallus. I, I am mean, Gallus. even someone like Dave Mastiff, I think if Dave Mastiff's going up against Walter and he needs backup, instant backup in the form of Gallus, who have built-in beef with Imperium. So they can be one-week partners. It makes narrative sense. And now all of a sudden, the babyface challenger to Walter has three guys who have his back. I need to see Mastiff lose his stuff. I do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I love the Jolly Giant stuff. You know, he needs to get really, really angry on all of Imperium at some point yeah. in this build and annihilate the other three guys to the shock and horror of Walter. Yes. I mean, he, like, if he tore off Alexander Wolf's head at some point <laughs> and, just, and just went back and just kind of said, I'm sorry about that. That's not me. And just walked off. <laughs> I'd be for that. I, I, you know, that'd also be interesting. So you have you have one spot where he kind of holds off the other three guys of Imperium, and that builds to a match against Alexander Wolf, where Alexander Wolf gets demolished by Dave Mastiff on the way to this build with Walter. That'd be interesting. You know, you have Wolf as kind of the wild card, anyways, picking fights and stuff. He picks a fight with the Jolly Giant, and then all of a sudden he's not so jolly. And he's in for more than he he, he bargained right, for. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He thinks that he's getting happy, smiley Dave Mastiff, but instead he ends up getting very angry Dave Mastiff, and it's far more than he planned for. Walter sees that and at least has a chance to plan for it. Yeah, like like if he had like a bunny, and then Alexander Wolf kills the bunny, and then all of a sudden... <laughs> but don't do that, because that's dumb. But uh, yeah, we're... Uh, Lazy River. Anything else uh, in the WWE landscape that you wanted to talk about? Did you want to the the okay? Here you go. The potential WrestleMania matchups that we have on uh, in pencil: Undertaker and AJ Styles, Elias and John Cena. Uh, either of those float in your boat. Is Elias gonna go heel? I think leading so. into Mania. Okay, I, I actually think that Elias and Braun Strowman is an oddly interesting tag team that has more mileage than I think I initially had given it credit for because the crowd loves Braun Strowman and the crowd loves Elias still. Yeah. Yeah, I I think uh I think they're playing up the the past with the Symphony of Destruction with the bass. When right. they mentioned the bass as continuity, I go, yeah, Braun Strowman I think is getting a bass to the back of his skull eventually. Uh, oh, the other one, Daniel Bryan and Sheamus again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Chris David versus Goliath wasn't properly booked. Goliath was the star. He had all the charisma. He could cut a promo and he had size. Why are we having <laughs> unless this it... reintroduction of Sheamus? I, I, they got to do something with him. I get that, but I, I just don't love He's not as big as he once was, which I think is fine. But having him go out there and be like, I'm this really big guy when 
anyone who's watched WWE or anyone who just gets on the network and like looks at Sheamus from seven, eight years ago can see that he has gotten much more svelte and he looks good, but he's not the giant guy he once was either. Well, we, we team him with Shorty G and Apollo Crews in a trench coat stacked up against one another. <laughs> oh, that promo was terrible. Um, I liked Drew Gulak. Backstage, yes. and I like the energy between Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak. That's the feud I'm interested in. And Heath Slater was great in this, too. Yes, I mean, he was. Heath Slater is such an untapped resource, and it's too late for him, really, but in a perfect world where they cared about people, Heath well, Slater. How old is Heath Slater? I will check that while uh, you riff. I mean, think about Dustin Rhodes, right? We say it's too late for Heath Slater. And, in the I mean, WWE, it's too late. In the no. WWE, absolutely. But he's never going to be world champion material. But he could certainly go somewhere else. And I think yes. be a very functional promo and a very functional and very over mid-card act in, in the whimsical way. I like, he's be not Orange be, Cassidy's uh, older worker. brother. That, oh, Orange <laughs> Cassidy. <laughs> and his name's just Orange. Exactly. He could, <laughs> No, in their family, they have different last names. So his name's like Orange. Orange Slater. <laughs> Slater or Orange Miller. Uh, Heath Slater is 36 years old. Yeah. Okay. And you've got me excited about him and Orange Cassidy yes, together. The Orange Brothers. Orange Cassidy and Orange Miller. Because his real name's Heath Miller. So we can we can do it that way. And uh, yeah, no. But Drew Gulak, I mean, look, use him as much as you can. Because that guy... Once he once he got to WWE, he uh, he latched on to something that I I adore. I've, I've said before, I didn't didn't care for him too much on the indies, but I love I love his uh, his acting ability. So put him more on screen, please. Yeah, there's just a good him and Daniel Bryan. It's like two sides of the same coin yes. in the right way. Yep, you're exactly right on that. No, I. I I did enjoy that. We wanted to give out shout outs. Look, we, we criticize, but we also need to praise. I forget that sometimes because criticism is far easier, but yes, yeah, Slater and Gulak and, and Daniel Bryan and, and, and available and Daniel Bryan's subversive sense of humor, which <laughs> I always, uh, I always, I always love. Slater's also good with that too. Like I wasn't ready last week, followed up with, I'm always ready. Yeah, that's, <laughs> That's true, but Daniel Bryan always, when he's doing these comedy sketches, always feels like he's thinking of, what can I say that might get me a meeting in corporate, but I could get away with it because they won't realize that I'm being trouble during this sketch? There's always like a look, or or it looks like he's come up with a line in his head that he could say at that moment. Um, he just he has this impish quality to him when he's doing these sketches, and I, I love watching him. So that'll do it for us. Let's cut this off. We've gone on long enough. Yeah, I've got uh, very, very loud music being played outside of my window right now. I can't hear it. You can't hear it? it. They might be able to hear it on the final cut here. I mean, I'm going to edit around it a little bit, but uh, someone is is pumping up the jams, Jeff, and it is... Is it, is, it, is it literally pump up the jam? Because that's a, I wish uh, it was good pump song. up the jams, pump, pump it, it up. up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of music, I was on Music of the Mat this past week with Andrew Rich discussing themes that Dusty Rhodes used. Uh, Andrew and I share a disdain for Bob Seger's old time rock and roll. We'll tell you why. Um, uh, you can listen to the Fightful podcast from last night, the SmackDown review. Chris and or not Chris and I. Uh, 
Warren Hayes and I went, went blow by blow. If you want more deconstruction of that episode, I think we gave a general overview of my thoughts on it here. It is, it is election day in Nevada for the caucuses. It is go time for Chris Novembrino and don't worry about the government. Chris, tell them what you got. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, if you're in Texas, early voting has begun. So also get out there and early vote if voting is the thing you're into. Vote early and vote often, as they say, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm bringing all the cats. We're all casting votes this year. That's the joy of having cats. You make me want to go on a riff about why old time rock and roll is not a good song and not a good rock and roll number, um, especially from a cover band standpoint. No, but but, uh, but, not a fan. But if you listen to that part of it, it, it has one of the more interesting trivia stories in terms of a session musician who played on it. And I go into that. Okay. All right. That is interesting. Uh, that, that is something to go and check out. Don't worry about the government can be found at don'tworry.tv. Uh, we're on Twitter at DWATG. I'm at Chris Novembrino, C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. On the Family Podcast, we'll be dropping this week. I've edited one of the episodes. I'm going to finish editing the other two this weekend, so all of those will be available for download at allinthefamilypodcast.com. That's going to follow- do it for this show. Oh, well, I was going to say you can follow me at Crap Game 13 You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. I forgot to get those plugs in. Well, uh, then get those plugs in. They, I, I ruined the ending. No, you didn't. You're, no, well, lazy River. Lazy Rivers don't end. They just float on and on. And... If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.